All right, people, let's do this one last time. You know who I am. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. 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 I'm Spider-Man. I'm not the only one. Welcome back to a Geek Explained Extra series that we're calling Spidey Sember, where in the lead up to Spider-Man No Way Home, the climactic chapter of the Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy, we are going through every single theatrically released Spider-Man film. We have gone through the Raimi films, we have gone through the Garfield films, we've even taken a stop into the Spider-Verse, and now we are here. We have gotten to the final stop before that Spider-Man No Way Home bliss that everyone has been waiting for. We are checking out Spider-Man Far From Home. Released in 2019, directed by John Watts and written by much less people than last time. Chris McKenna and Eric Summers are it. This film is polarizing, to say the least. Some people love it, some people hate it. Um, we're going to get into all of it. But of course, I am joined by my amazing friends. First off, we have the spectacular AJ Kincaid. Uh, wow. <laughs> it's like it's, it's like saying that like not dessert, but like the second to last meal is an enema. Like, wow. <laughs> And the friendly neighborhood, Chris Carter. Yeah, it's hard to follow enema. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe like it's a cold steak or you know what I mean? Maybe uh, it's a warm salad. I, I don't know. But we are here. Oh. We're bringing it in together, guys. We're going to land this plane. Whether We it's are going to land this plane like Sully himself. Oh, oh there is, there's We're an Uncharted land... movie coming out. What? What? No, the Sullivan. Oh. The, the guy who landed the plane in the oh. Lake Erie. Oh, Wasn't that, yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's, there's a Sully and Uncharted, too. You know, yeah, I know face. that, Chris. Well, I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. Stop bringing up a movie that's never going to get made, Chris. <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> or coming out. I, hypothetically, if it did get made, though, I I think my least favorite casting would be Mark Wahlberg. Just hypothetically. I think probably. Interesting. Yeah. I, I like there there would be a lot of movie there would be a lot of people I wouldn't want to attach to an uncharted movie and on the top of that list would be funny enough on Mark Wahlberg. Interesting. <laughs> it's a good thing they're not making that film. So no, we're no, getting no, right? into Spider-Man Far From Home. Gentlemen, do you remember seeing this in the theater? I am going to go to Christopher first. I don't. I feel like I did. I feel like I did see it in the theater. I did. I don't remember. I guess I could maybe not have. I, I was hyped. I remember being excited for it, especially because this was the movie that came out after Endgame. Yes. So and they were pushing it as post blip, right? And yeah. I never really. To me, the blip was a little confusing. I didn't know how the time worked. It was going to be explained yeah. in this. So not, I, I was more excited to see how like the geography of everything that post Thanos happened than maybe the movie. I, I enjoy, I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the movie. I didn't enjoy the, the main bad. We kind of knew who it was. I, I wasn't, it seemed like very fantastical. And that, that to me was, was 
less grounded than the than the initial offering that we had to me was kind sure. of a i feel like i saw us in the theater i don't remember who i saw with or when i saw it but um i'm kind of gonna side on the on the uh, on the kincaid with this one i feel like it's gonna be that type of night yeah uh yeah. aj um i saw this movie with a friend uh in the theater and I remember my first reaction like really being very positive. I remember like really enjoying all of the choices that were like, I mean, <laughs> all of the choices that were made. Like I thought were like, I was just like, yeah, Spider-Man in Europe, revolutionary. Jake Gyllenhaal is Mysterio. Yeah. Like all of these like really it's like all these like really great uh you know teen drama uh, like nonsense and like you know and compared to now it is uh <laughs> oh, oh oh boy honeymoon stage different. is over huh yeah, <laughs> boy, boy that that like honeymoon first watch like hit hard that first go around and then i haven't seen this this like the re-watching this movie for this podcast was the second time I've seen this movie. Wow. And the starch difference between the two. The starch difference. Also, the like the hit of endorphins ended the literal next day because <laughs> I immediately started unpacking that movie. <laughs> yeah, I um I remember seeing this. We saw this in the theaters, and we must be fucking mind linked because like i had that same reaction i i remember being super fucking positive coming out of the film and thinking like dude this is incredible this is one of the best spider-man films i've ever seen i love this jake gyllenhaal was fantastic the twists and turns like this is incredible and then i saw it a second time and i was like okay i'd still you know i still i like i like it i still hmm <laughs> I still really, I'm, mm, I still like it with a question mark. And then yeah. coming back to see it this time was a trip. Uh, and this is actually unique because I actually did a full on spoiler review for this for the main podcast. And oh. I have no idea. I don't remember what I said. I never look back in anger at anything that I have posted <laughs> before. So this may line up with what I said before. This may not. I may be completely wrong. 2019 Eric went through a lot of things to get to 2021 Eric. So we're here now. But this film, Too Many, is known as the sloppy sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming. This film was heavily influenced by the secrecy and the event status of, as Chris mentioned, Infinity War and Endgame. This is the first post-Endgame Marvel film. This was supposed to be like the epilogue to Phase 4 to the Infinity Saga to wrap everything up in a bow before we head off into Phase 5. And it was very interesting the marketing for this because they're like oh there's i mean there's a ton of secrecy as like all marvel films are now like marvel is so um and i guess rightfully so in some aspects like they're so sensitive to spoilers and they're so sensitive to leaks that they will full-on just put out trailers with scenes that aren't in the fucking movie and which makes this upcoming film no way home i'm like none of that happens None of those characters are in this. It's just Spider-Man versus Craven the Hunter as it should be. 
none of this stuff happens in the trailers. I'm I'm jaded now because I can't trust my eyes anymore. But this film um, was actually notable because it was nearing the end of the Sony Marvel deal. And due to the deal between Sony and Marvel, an MCU actor was required to appear in this film. And in that respect, Sony actually chose Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury. Uh, Fun fact, John Watts actually wanted Nick Fury in the first film, but the studio said, nope, we're putting Iron Man in this because it's going to sell more tickets. And so John Watts kind of got his wish for this one. And the biggest change and the biggest thing that got people uh, super hyped, I think, about this film was the announcement of the villain. And just like in the first film of the Tom Holland era where they decided to go with a character who hadn't been brought to the silver screen before they decided to bring one of the best Spider-Man rogues in the entire history of the comics (laughs) Mysterio Mysterio as the villain was to me inspired choice. Uh, He's never been used. He was going to be used in the uh, planned, but unmade Spider-Man four where he was going to be kind of a one-off villain tying all of the uh, Bruce Campbell appearances in that Raimi trilogy together. Would have been amazing. But it would have been, been incredible. Amazing. Um, if Bruce Campbell doesn't pop up in this next Spider-Man film, I'm going to riot. But I know, right? He's got to be there. He has to be there. He's got to be there. He has so to be the new Mysterio. He's, I mean, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, so when coming up to Mysterio... Uh, There were several actors that were rumored, that were in the running, and I'm just going to run these down because these choices are choices. Um, First off, we have Colin Farrell. (laughs) Next up, we have Andrew Scott. Uh, If that name sounds familiar, uh, he's probably most famous for playing Moriarty in the uh, BBC Sherlock series. Uh, he's also appeared uh, most recently, I think, in Spectre, the mm. Bond film. Uh-huh. Um, we also had Matt Smith, in which would have been very interesting, going from Doctor Who to the Marvel MCU. But no, he, he passed off on that so he could be a character in Morbius. Ooh. Yay. Ooh. But he wasn't the only Matt. The final name I have to feature on this list is one Matthew Damon. Matt Damon was in the running for Mysterio. Can you imagine a world? Imagine a world where Matt Damon was Mysterio. I, you know, I kind of like it. I kind of like it because it, it he does have kind of that possible Uncle Ben slash Tony Stark age. I mean, you know, he's got that movie... He he does kind of you know have that um, everyman quality like uh, Tom Holland slash Peter Parker is supposed to have. Mm-hmm. So a character like Peter Parker slash Tom Holland seeing himself as a he gravitate towards it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not only at not only very similar to Iron Man, but but to see that and just go, oh, there's the example. It is possible yeah. for me to get there. This is amazing. I enjoy. I really like that you still get that same effect out of Jake Gyllenhaal, but yes. like you, you still could have gotten that with um, Matt Damon. 
for sure. And Jake Gyllenhaal was ultimately offered the role by John Watts. Again, John Watts basically going, fuck your shortlist. I am going to give this role to the man who I believe should take this role. And then one more quick piece. Um, I mean, we have set out from the beginning that there are spoilers. So just be aware. I want to talk real quick about J.K. Simmons, who returns in the post credit scene as J. Jonah Jameson. J.K. Simmons was approached at the final hour to be involved. The very last moment of filming, they were like, do you want to be part of this? And similarly to uh, what Chris mentioned in last episode about John Watts not wanting to, if Donald Glover said no to the Aaron Davis stuff, he was going to write him out, there was no recasting plan. If J.K. Simmons did not take the role, there would be no J. Jonah Jameson in these films, which I find fascinating. And J.K. Simmons, the stand-up guy that he, that he is, said, hold on a second, and went to Sam Raimi to get his blessing to do this. Wow. Before he said yes. Raimi, of course, as we know now, did give the blessing for J.K. Simmons to reprise his role, and... He pops right back up like he hasn't missed a day as J. Jonah Jameson. So, gentlemen, this film is odd, right? Because this is the first film in a post-Endgame world, and Chris mentioned something really, uh, really important in that having a film take place after Endgame with all of the... Um, ramifications of the snap of the blip as they call it i'm just going to put it out there i don't like the blip i don't like the 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 co- it's the blip i just i think it sounds incredibly childish and i get it i get it these were high school kids i just i don't like it i don't like that everybody calls it that um but having a world where it's like okay we need to examine like what happens when all these people come back um to mention a Disney Plus show, WandaVision, I thought handled it really well at the start of the uh, Monica Rambo episode, where it's just she wakes up and there's just chaos inside this hospital because all of these patients who disappeared five years ago are suddenly here again. Like, it would be chaos and people would be riding the streets. Like, overpopulation would be a huge thing. And, like, the fact that they just kind of sweep it under the rug. And they're, you know, all of the ramifications are mostly made for laughs kind of puts me off. How do you guys feel about the use of the post endgame world in this film? Chris, I would like to. Hear thank you. you. All right. So <laughs> he was waiting for the blessing, um, just like I, J.K. Simmons. <laughs> I, I hated it. I felt the same way. I didn't. I first of all, didn't understand it. And I don't know if it was really explained maybe I just missed it, but I, I do think that there's that, there's that part when in Endgame that Hawkeye is talking to Rhodey and is talking to Hulk and talking to Ant-Man and they're like, well, this is how it works. I, I think a bunch of people weren't sure on how it worked because there, there is that moment discussing that. And so when we come out of that into this film, um, I think we're given something like, what is it? It's, I think it's two years and you go back to the exact spot that you were, but you didn't age but everybody else did to me it cheapened it and that's i think that's the problem with having these high high stake situations is when you have a, an event like that 
And um, do you guys do you guys know what the rapture? I'm not a religious guy, but the rapture. Have you? Yeah. Do you know it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when it would be like having to explain the second half of that book, like what if everybody instead of leaving came back? And so it's one of those things maybe people aren't ready to touch on. And I, I think that, and I, I, not for religious reasons, but for storytelling reasons, it's a you you have to recraft this world after you've just disintegrated it that's a hard ask to do as a writer i can it's hard to write fucking a scene with two people never mind a whole world you know so and and i think that they drop the ball only because a first of all eric you i I believe you are right i feel like it was a little it was cheapened um and then once we talk about it and then we move past it and then we deal with the grief of 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 what happened especially with, with tony and and um and pete but i don't like how they handled the big picture part of it and i yeah. think that's why they went into the vignette because they didn't know how to handle the big picture that's how you, you just get rid of noise so let's just let's just ignore and let's focus on what we have right here that's how you could fix it but it's not necessarily a satisfying fix at least in my opinion yeah thank you aj <laughs> <laughs> aj what are your thoughts on this no i mean a very similar uh situation with chris um i kind of feel like they really fumbled the ball on uh this one hard and you know it really didn't feel like there was that much weight it really kind of didn't we didn't get to see like you know the weird kind of like just like world like world building situations that would have created like the rift between families the like sort of offset of just like wow it's now five years later but i, I like I, I i see friends now that like i i used to know who are out of high school and i'm still here and yeah. like that's really weird or like yeah. you know i used to be or like i used to look at my brother who was five years younger than me and now we're the same age in the same grade and that's really weird like we didn't get to see like any character going through that and like i don't really know if like i guess that really wouldn't have fit in this world nor would that really have you know, really gone through or there would have been time for it. Like maybe in a different movie they could have done that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, that, that that's kind of why I rate these movies so low, even though I'll say like, Oh, I, I really appreciate them or, Oh, I really enjoy. I really love this film. I really love this film. Two stars. Um, <laughs> but like, just because like, fickle I, creature. He's a fickle creature, very, very fickle. Um, yeah, like I, there are just so many things that like I, I think it mishandled so much in um, this franchise. Even though there's so much that overall, I do enjoy out of it. it. It, like the direction they went, especially in this movie and especially in the MCU following it, like I don't know, I, I think could have just been done differently. Although I haven't seen that much of the Disney Plus shows because. There's only so many hours in the day, folks. There's only that so the many. Truth. It's true. Ain't yeah. that the truth. Yeah. But yeah, I, and I think to your point, the only character who seem who we actually explore uh, the change through is through Brad. And let me just tell you, folks, the Brad stuff fucking sucks. <laughs> I just I'm gonna go out and say it. Like I don't want to throw shade on the man. Uh, you always gotta. You always got to uplift Asian voices, but like all of the shit that we deal with, with this Brad character, it's fucking like it's switch off for me. This was the 
genuinely the first film that I paused halfway through and walked away from because I needed because I had other stuff that I needed to get done mm-hmm. sure. like in this entire series and I don't know what it is like I don't I think that we we talked we mentioned it last time that there was a really nice balance of comedy as well as heart in the last film because it was based around the story of these guys trying to make their way and find their place in the world and this one just doesn't have any of that heart it feels hollow and there are specific things that like really kind of get my goat about this film like I don't know what, maybe it's just like Spider-Man works best when he's in New York, but the first half of this film where it's all just like teen drama, them, you know, right. Doing their Euro trip. I could not have cared less, bro. That's your old man coming out. That's what it is. It's it's true. There's no lie. Like I'm not saying to be a dick, but like when I watch this shit, I start checking out. It's like my parents. Yeah. Yeah, So I feel you. I don't want to cut you off, but I think I get that same vibe too, man. No, totally. And it's like, even the stuff with like Nick Fury where they're like, Oh, like it feels like this is, you know, and I, I'm going to sound really fucking old when I say this, but like, this is like, gen z spider-man at the height of his power mm-hmm. like we have happy go you do not ghost nick fury not for any like narrative reason but it feels like it's just like oh it's a funny thing to put in the trailer it's a funny line to put in the trailer and it doesn't serve anything like i am all for the really awkwardness of like having happy hogan and aunt may get together i think that's awesome. actually really fun yes yeah and <laughs> the way they handle that is actually really well done. But like a lot of the stuff with the classmates, like I was super over these classmates, even though I really enjoyed them in the first, in the first Holland episode, we got Betty Brandt doing like the, the morning announcements with like the most awkward delivery. Like, cause that's how you would as a kid. And now like they bumped her up cause she's a great actress and she, you know, gets in this romantic, you know, like um, uh, vacation romance with Ned. Ned is a bad friend in this movie. <laughs> this, I just, uh, I could not stand the character of Ned in this movie. I don't know yeah. why. Um, and it's nothing that Jacob Badalona is doing here. He's just, it's bad writing. I completely agree. I feel the exact same way. Like Ned can be such, could have been such a great character as was shown in the first movie. Yeah. 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 And in like a few other like uh, the the little bits in Infinity War, dude, he's, he was right. great in that. Oh shit, you know what I mean? When, he's like, when, oh, yes. we're all gonna die, yeah, like, like to get everyone to yeah, turn away so Peter great... could jump out of the bus. Yeah. But then like the hug at the end of the movie where they see yeah. each other and like the end of Endgame. Like you can really tell from you could tell in that moment, like just like I didn't know if you were alive or dead or not, and like the the two don't say anything and just hug. It's so like. You don't yeah. need any dialogue because, like, given a real moment between two actors who know what they're doing, it can be done super well. And, of course, this actor knows exactly what he's doing. But, like, you're right. Like, this movie, and like, Ned is such a fucking terrible friend. And, like, <laughs> the whole Betty Brant, like, I check out so hard for that whole relationship and I cannot stand it. To which I'm just like, this neither feels relatable nor tolerable. This is just awful. I hate this. And this is just dumb teenage shit. And I get it. It's dumb teenage shit. But I'm too old for it. 
but even so there was still dumb teenage shit in the homecoming film but i feel like it was it wasn't as dialed up to 11 as it is here i also feel like you know when you're taking so many risks and so many elements and putting on like a road trip slash vacation movie on top of a spider-man movie like i mean you can kind of get away with it because it's just like oh it's new york it's all the familiar or like faces but like it's going to be a different version of of the tropes of spider-man but you get the um like you get the 16 candles you get the um ferris bueller's day off kind of feel with it which is tolerable because like you get those vibes of just like oh yeah like the high school teacher or like i can tolerate it in a high school because like you know i can look at the teachers and just go yes please attack please get him there's no there's there's none of that in this movie it's just like it's just it's just full-on teen like you know just drama and situations and like it's not even really drama it's just teen comedy stuff yeah that's like and i'm all for good comedy like i loved a lot of the comedic bits in that first film and Mm -hmm. i mean throughout all the spider-man films like i was the one who fucking loved the raindrops keep falling on my head sequence from spider-man 2 but like this did not feel like it was serving anything like it like how does this you could you could legitimately cut the film off before the prog fight before he fights the fire elemental with mysterio and it would be a much better film like Because from that point on, the film, like, moves. And you're really invested in the characters. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with Mysterio. Because Jake Gyllenhaal is the best part of this movie. Agreed. Hands down. Uh, we talked about how good the villain was in The Vulture last uh, last episode. How do you guys feel about Mysterio through the lens of Jake Gyllenhaal here? I, I don't know anything about the character. Like, I, I have no... I, I thought he kind of looked little ridiculous but i mean yeah. that's not the first time that that's kind of been there but um but the chemistry between jill and hall and and i want to go and i'll talk about the acting and um and holland was great i mean they had that whole bromance thing going on for a while before and after so you really kind of believe that they you know when they were on camera speaking about some of those very intimate things that that really resonated almost more than when him and mj were talking at least in my opinion for the for at least the first half of the film um but as him as the actor portraying that character i, I didn't know enough about it to, to say one or another but when he interacted with uh pete it was it was great i really enjoyed the first half of it it got a little overwhelming i wanted to talk about tone when you guys are talking about why some of the things that worked on the previous one didn't work in this one i think it's also because we're coming off of like i don't it's it's not fatigue but it's end game i mean it's end game right yeah it made 2.2 2.2 billion dollars in one year 2.2 billion dollars in one year i want to say it again because we're coming off of that and then going into like teenage drama like this feels trivial like it, you know, there's yeah, it's a good point. It just the the tone is different. But to your question, Eric, just the choice of Mysterio as the bad guy, that cool, something new, something different. We haven't seen this in you know five other iterations of Spider-Man thus far. Um, but you know, for me, as the film unfold and as the gag of what Jill Hall was doing as Mysterio kind of came out, dude, I was mad. I'm like, no, this is fucking bullshit. This is really, it's, yeah. It's in that moment where it's like, there are certain things that a movie will do and they'll make a choice when, when a character has to do something and the way they pulled off is so 
fantastically bullshit based in grounded. It just, it really, it really rubs me the wrong way. And this is absolutely the, his character especially is, was a, did that for me. So uh, interesting. So yeah. you have, uh, you have like a, a negative view on like Mysterio and that twist. Yeah. I don't like the twist. I don't like the reveal on how he was doing what he did. Got it. That to me. And you mm-hmm. know, we, we have in the trailer when he says the multiverse is real and here we took you know, he yeah. gets he gets yeah. bullshitted by it and then all of a sudden oh well but no i i did not like how they you know the drones and, and the holographic it was just it was too fucking much it was way too much for me especially coming from something grounded grounded as you can't air quotes with you know superhero <laughs> film but um no I, it lost me about two-thirds of the way and at that point like you said eric you got up and left i'm like dude we could watch something else at this point because i did i really just i felt betrayed at that and this is the second watch too by the way this isn't right. the first time so but yeah I didn't like it. I didn't AJ, like what it. about you? I mean, like, I I already knew, like, you know, what Mysterio's whole deal was. So getting to oh. see it properly. And kind yeah. of like, I don't know, like, illusions being kind of like a, a whole sort of shtick slash a basis of ability isn't really done a whole lot. And, like, I, I, I kind of appreciated it in that it was kind of like a magic trick type of deal. Or you have kind of that magician-esque sort of um, supervillain that you can kind of see in different ways. I, I thought I really kind of thought like the way they did it with tying to Tony Stark. I really didn't appreciate and didn't like. Yeah, that was my biggest problem. I yeah. kind of liked that it was. I I loved that it was Jake Gyllenhaal, and Jake Gyllenhaal did such an amazing job in this part for me or to uh, to me. And like I thought that like. To me, like this whole um, sort of idea of, you know, really uh, Mysterio trying to get onto the grand stage in like almost like he wants to be a superhero into the MCU in itself, I think is like really, really smart and really, really genius. And like kind of like taking a step back from this movie and like it makes me understand why they had Spider-Man kind of uh, go out into the world and you know, kind of be all encompassing and go all around the world to be a better force and be a better presence. I kind of think that like you still could have done that in New York. It still would have worked just because, you know, New York is such a big, huge spotlight onto the world. And right. it's still, I don't know. It would have been, it, it, it could have been done a little bit differently in that, like, you know, it still could have been like the tradition of the comics of like, he's a special effects artist who works on movies right. and, you know, could have so tied is, that. Is he a magician? Like who the fuck is Mysterio? Like, well, I don't, I just still don't know. So in the comics, Quentin, Quentin Beck is this, um, is this effects artist as well as a stunt actor who is trying to make it in Hollywood, not really making any headway. And, and this is why I don't know why they didn't go with this origin <laughs> realizes how famous superheroes are getting and decides, well, I know how to do practical effects and I can make this shit look real. Like I'm just going to get famous by being a superhero and decides to do that. And then ends up like using his illusions and everything, which is all just like VFX and he's a VFX stunt guy. And so he like, stages these crimes so that he can stop them and be the heroic Mysterio. And then Spider-Man finds out that he's the one starting the crimes in the first place. So they fight and that's their whole thing. And I think in this, um, 
in this kind of climate that we're in right now where people are talking about superhero fatigue and like mm-hmm. you know the the massive debate among film uh purists who are like if you are in a superhero film you are a shill and a sellout and <laughs> there are other people who are like if you're not in a superhero film you're not a movie star like that could have been utilized in this film as quentin's origin oh story. yeah very good yeah no totally That's totally true. And they they do that to a certain extent when his whole motivation is like, we're going to be the greatest hero the world's ever seen, and we're going to make a bunch of fucking money through this. Like, it's a great grift, and I like that he's got a team. I yeah. really yeah. love that it takes a village to make a Mysterio. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I love the inclusion. I love the character. I've always loved that character. It's like Mysterio, Doc Ock, and Craven are like my boys. And I, ah, man, like, I, I love that reveal. I'm just going to say it. I love the reveal. I love how sincere he feels, how relatable to Peter he feels when he, when, you know, they're going through the plan for the prog fight. He's like, okay. And then, and then Mr. Beck is going, he's like, my name is Mysterio. Mm-hmm. And he gives him like a little look that's like, it's just, it's funny. And they like, they have instant chemistry, which Gyllenhaal and Holland just naturally do. Um, and then for it to have that turnaround where like Peter gives him the glasses and he runs off to go like make good with MJ. And then we see stuff like slowly dissolving Matrix style. And he just turns, he's like, no, that wasn't so hard. And everyone's like, ah, like he's, he's the fucking jester King. Like, I love that play on it. Um, I do really like think that this is the film where the iron boy junior stuff comes up. Cause it's like, if I had a nickel for every time <laughs> Tony Stark inspired a villain to spite, to fight Spider-Man, I would have two nickels. <laughs> But it's still weird that it happened twice. Like, it's like, I don't know why they went back to that well. Because I think it worked for uh, for Vulture. Because he wasn't directly impacted by Stark himself, but by what he stands for. And that was in completely flying in the face of what Spider-Man is supposed to stand for. So that conflict made sense and it worked. This one felt shoehorned in to it for it to be like oh you know he used to work for tony and then he got fired so it's like a whole thing that he's trying to be the new arm like i didn't need that but i did love like the inclusion of this team to make mysterio happen one of my favorite scenes of the film is like the fucking tech demo the tech rehearsal that they're doing they're doing q to q where it's like Okay, can you just can you speed up the the hologram? Yeah, yeah yada yada yada. Okay, this is, can we um can we up the damage just real quick? And like I love shit like that. Like working in theater, working in film. Like I love seeing behind the scenes shit like that. And that mm-hmm. got me. I was like, that's really fucking cool. And I love the utilization of that. But I feel like they could have streamlined it. They could have legit just gone. Yeah, Iron Man's gone. Hey, dude, there's this new superhero in New York. Like, why did we need to go far from home? Why did we need to go to Europe? Because at the end, it doesn't really benefit anything. It doesn't, like, change the story in any way. This could have taken place in New York mm-hmm. easily. And so, I don't know. That that part's just kind of baffling to me. Um 
I mean, that being said, I still, I really do appreciate Mysterio as a villain. And I think Jake Gyllenhaal is having so much fun in the role, which you can tell. And I love when you can tell that an actor's having fun. And it's the same thing with Michael Keaton from the last film. Like the two of them are having so much fun in their roles. And so when they're getting to be like really villainous, like you can just feel like the evil dripping off of them and they're having a great time with it. Absolutely. Do you think that if it were in New York, it wouldn't be as convoluted let's say as a film i think so i think if we get rid of the whole euro trip aspect of it like we can devote more time to let me just say like off the bat like zendaya and tom holland have incredible chemistry well yeah they are not a bad i mean they're no they're no andrew garfield Emma stone but like they they're very good they have instant chemistry they work really well together and anything that focuses on them i don't have a problem with like just very clearly don't have a problem with you can keep that but get rid of all that stupid europe shit like i don't care about that i want to get back to spider-man being spider-man yeah and I think if they had placed it in New York and like Mysterio is very clearly like, hey, I'm going to fucking take care of New York. You guys don't worry. I'll be your friendly neighborhood Mysterio. And like taking that route with it to now that like Spider-Man's like, oh, I got to step up. I got to protect New York. Oh, wait, no, there's this guy. So then what happens to me if I'm just like a neighborhood guy? Like that would have been. I think to me anyway, it would have been much more streamlined Would it have given us more time with the characters would have given us a lot less filler, which mm-hmm. unfortunately feels like is a lot of this film. Agreed. And it's only a two hour and nine minute film. I know. Yeah. Like that's the other thing about it too. It's not a long film in terms of films, but it feels long. It's yeah. It's never no gets four hour justice league. Like, Oh my God. But like it's it's so check out <laughs> into the Snyderverse if you haven't already. It was a case <laughs> that we did before this. But like it's fascinating to me that they decided to go this direction when they already had a really great recipe with that first film. Because it feels like more of you know this film feels more like an MCU film than a Spider-Man film. One hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. And that I think is where the disconnect is, because mm-hmm. it's like trying to wrap up Avengers stuff rather than tell a good Spider-Man story, mm-hmm. right? Which, granted, is kind of what we're getting in Spider in Spider-Man Three: No Way Home as well, where they're just like breaking us into the multiverse rather than just telling an intimate story about Spider-Man and his identity being exposed. But, like, I hope they handle it better than this. Because, like, it just feels like the the jokes are in there for no reason. The jokes are in there to pass the time. The jokes are in there to just get us to the next joke. And once the jokes stop and we're getting into some of the drama, we're getting into some of the incredible sequences that we get in here. The illusion sequence in the warehouse yeah. is incredible. Yeah, it is. I love the shit out of that. I even love the final, you know, little hallway fight where it's Peter versus the drones who have like shut off all of his sensory. So he has to like rely on his his spider sense. <laughs> it's called the spider sense. The Peter tingle. I'm going to hit you. <laughs> I'm going to jump through this computer. Um, yeah, it's just 
again, it feels like cheap comedy for cheap comedy's sake rather than to enhance the characters or the story. Well, that can be true of even of 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 so much in this film. Like there's so much Avengers in this and it's a disservice. And I, I'm really going to piggyback off that point, Eric, because as you're saying it, I was thinking that you said it so eloquently that so much of this is dealing with that. And we knew that was a lot of the advertisement, the post blip, sorry, Eric, you know, post Fuck. the snap. Right. So, and how, and I enjoyed the part, the only part that I really, really enjoyed was how Pete deals with the grief of Tony. Right. But here's the thing. We had been hit in the head with that for a lot. This is yeah. not, this isn't even the first time we maybe on his side, but we we watched Tony deal with that for fucking two movies for almost six hours. And it's just like, we, we get that part of it. We can, can we do something else? I think that they had been linked. And I think that's why you kind of get Mysterio from Creed from Iron Man. I think that unfortunately uh, Spider-Man and Iron Man are so linked that they have, something has to be birthed from one of the two to kind of, or from Iron Man to kind of be considered uh, a worthy foe for Spider-Man, right. whether it's defending Tony's decisions or what he did, or just you know, the fact that he mentored him in the way that he did. I hated the fact that, that, that Fury, that Nick Fury was in here. I didn't like that really. I he did. doesn't really bring anything you to could the table. Get rid no. of that part of the movie, and it's yeah. still a good movie. And I always say that's that's where my my metric is. If you can cut a part out and you don't miss it, then you've done something wrong in the writing room. Or yeah. and you said shoehorn and stuff. I couldn't agree more. They are trying to shoehorn so much. They're hedging their bet, and they didn't need to because we're going to get to the numbers, and it's fucking incredible. What they what they did with bringing all of these big names into the MCU in a Spider-Man film, it just it just didn't work. I mean, for me, it didn't work, but for for a lot of people, it did. So, but you know, spiritually, no, story wise, not really that either. I think you know, well, and and that's not to say that there aren't good moments in this. Sure, like, absolutely. I think I yeah. think the conversation that Peter and Happy have in the jet is really yeah. well done where it's you know him basically saying like i can't be the next iron man and happy being like dude fucking tony sucked like he was a mess like all the time but yeah. like he chose you and that was one of the things he did right and like that whole idea and i talked i mentioned it last episode where i they went to great lengths in spider-man homecoming to say spider-man does not need the avengers he does not need iron man to be spider-man Right. And yet in this film, they are so focused on Spider-Man being the next Iron Man that it's like, did we just ignore the last film? Like, did we what if someone went from watching Spider-Man Homecoming to, straight into watching Far From Home? Isn't there going to be a disconnect? Isn't it going to feel strange? Because it <laughs> does like watching it. You know, I watched uh, Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home probably like a couple days apart this past week. And like there is so much and we've you know, that that could be, you know, attributed to again, the like the serialized nature of the MCU. But like there is to make it a comparison, there is a strict through line for Captain America, the first Avenger to Winter Soldier to Civil War. You do not need to watch the other films. You can. And it will absolutely enhance the experience, but you do not need to watch those film the other films to know what's going on in these films in the Captain America trilogy. 
with Far From Home, it's such a piece of the MCU that, like, you would be fucking lost if you didn't, like, know what was going on. Yeah. And it doesn't give you a whole lot of reasons to stick around, which sucks because you want, again, I want to enjoy Tom Holland as Spider-Man. He's plucky, he's charming, he's endearing. Like, I want him to succeed. And the moments that he is vulnerable, the moments that he is, you know, freaked out, the, you mentioned it earlier, the PTSD moment that he has, you know, at the fundraiser at the very beginning was super well done. And it, you know, kind of harkened back to the PTSD scene that Tony had in Iron Man 3. Like, I love just characters being people. And it doesn't feel like a lot of characters in this movie are people. They're caricatures. Like, the the teachers are... any Anything that I liked about the teacher from the first Homecoming, from Homecoming, is just lost in this film. Because they're yeah. like, let's just make them joke machines. And I just, like, I don't know. I'm not here for it. Yeah. Same. Yep. Same. Yep. Yeah. I don't so, know. Like I, I, like you really like all of that just hits the nail on the head. Like, what more do we need to say? Yeah. It, well, and it's tough because I like I hate being negative about shit. Like Chris always talks all the all the fucking time. Every single time we do a podcast about how positive I am about everything, <laughs> and like I hate like being. I don't want to not like this film. Sure. Like I want to enjoy this, and there are moments brief moments that i really do enjoy this film like i think the actual like peter versus the drone sequence where he's just having to come up with how to beat these things on the fly is super well done um and like we already mentioned the illusion sequences like i think those are really really good but like it takes so long to get there like it takes us a while and like once we are there they undercut everything with just a little little joke and it's really i don't know i i i don't need it yeah and it devalues it too yeah. like you build yeah. to it and then a single joke just undercuts the stakes that you had built and it just it's cluttered it's the tonally mm -hmm. it's off it just it feels misguided and disjointed at certain points um and I, you know, honestly, my, the, I only have one really scene I, I truly enjoyed. Um, you're right about the Zendaya Tom Holland chemistry; they are fantastic. Obviously, right. um, side mm -hmm. note: Did you see that uh, they're they're trying to uh, recruit Timothy Chalamet into the next one? If there's a next one, like Holland, heard, Tom Holland wants him to be Harry Osborn, which th is that's the what, only yeah. possible role that I could he see could, Timothy right. Chalamet being. But what a great being a little I mean, rich prick. Well, the meerkat, meerkat Manor. We can <laughs> I forgot. Meerkat Manor. Meerkat Manor. About Wolfman. Uh, on 107. He's not Wolfman. Oh, or never man, mind. Wolf. My bad. Or whatever it is. Sorry, we, I was we, talking. We don't need. I I see no relation between J.K. Simmons and Timothy, Timothy Chalamet. That'd be pretty dope, though. That cheapens J.K. Simmons by, <laughs> by association. The um the only scene that I really I really enjoyed was the scene you mentioned earlier when they're on the airplane. And he's got the glasses on and he's going through and you can kind of see happy seeing him, you know, be a younger incarnate of Tony. But, but even then it's like, you, you made a great point. I didn't, I didn't put together until right now. It's like, they spent all of last film saying that you could be your own guy. Don't be me, be you. And here, yeah. here is, no, be me. Don't be you, be me. And it's just like, let, we got to move on from that guys. You got to mm -hmm. side note. I will say that's why I think that uh phase five is having such an issue. 
or I don't even throw his phase six right now. I think because some of, some of the through lines, like you, again, so eloquently put, Eric, God, you're so good at this. Um, that I, I don't think they're landing with some people, which I think that's why I know if you, I'm sure you've heard, they're in talks to bring Tony back yeah. as, you know, and it's like, if they do that, then <sighs> I think that, your goose you know, is cooked that way. You have to yeah. rely on that one stuff. Point, right? like, Rome you're done. was beautiful yeah. at one point in time, but Rome also crashed. You know, yeah. Rome also fell, guys. So I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Well, but, uh, well, yeah. and it's it's interesting that you mentioned like how the jokes and the humor undercut the value of this film because one thing that didn't undercut value is the numbers in this film. <laughs> Which brings <laughs> us to Chris's number corner. <laughs> There's no, I mean, you think that this movie was a B-rated movie sitting at 60 on Rotten right now that, you know, tanked from what we're talking about, but it is obscene. Uh, first of all, it's a 90-95 on uh, Rotten, just so... That's incredible. Yeah, 90-95. And, um, and remember, kids, film critics still get a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> um, the budget, if you guys can believe this, the budget for this film is actually less than Spider-Man Homecoming. It is $160 million, which... So they got... All the numbers I read off before. I don't believe million. that at all. I know. I, I couldn't believe, believe it. this is from Disney. So take it I up with it. take it up with Kev and Kathleen at that dinner table, Eric. Um, so fifteen million less than uh, Homecoming, which is ridiculous. Because I will say that as much as I did not like the the, the visuals of this, I thought they were kind of overdone. They felt like it was a little heavy handed. They yeah. were good. I'm not gonna. You know, they they looked fantastic. They were a little much for me, but that doesn't discount that. They were very efficient in what they were trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Let's just get it out of the way. It didn't have a great opening weekend. Only made ninety-two million, right? It wasn't great. It wasn't you know, we always say the metric for uh, MCU films, especially, is a hundred million dollars. Yeah. So it didn't do great. Didn't do great domestically. Three ninety. It was okay. It wasn't wasn't bad. But worldwide, it made one point one billion dollars. $1.1 billion on a $160 million budget. Jesus. And I am. It made <laughs> it made almost $700 million, $700, $700 million overseas. It, only, it, it cleared 400 k here. So it did what? F yeah, $700 million overseas. Now, that's, that's of course a big one. It's also... Wow the 24th highest grossing movie of all time, which is ridiculous. I'm sitting right behind your movie, Andrew, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Oh, um, yeah. So, but it's a 24th highest grossing movie of all time. Here's a little, uh, this is kind of a feather in your cap Disney year. So this is 2019's box office. Let's not forget that Endgame came out that year. Right. $2.7 billion. The Lion Ooh. King came out that year 1.6 billion dollars that's not a real movie frozen not a real 2 movie. came out that year 1.4 billion dollars spider-man far from home came out 1.1 billion dollars captain marvel came out these are all in sequential order by the way i'm not jumping captain marvel came out 1.1 million dollars and at seven star wars rise of skywalker only a billion i'm sorry i was saying a million i meant a billion 2.7 billion, 1.6 billion, 1.4 billion, 1.1 billion, 1.1, and an even 
billion flat. So out of the seven movies that, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot Toy Story 4, 1 billion, Aladdin, <sighs> 1 billion. So out of the top nine movies in 2019, Disney had eight. So it was a good year for Disney. And, yeah, and uh, you know what? Wow. I'm just going to say it because no one, no one's saying it and no one's admitting it. So I'm just going to fucking say it. I liked Captain Marvel more than I liked this movie. I like Dang. Captain Marvel more than I like this movie too. Interesting. I just I do. Yeah. Because I didn't I didn't love this movie. I liked Toy Story 4 far more than I liked this movie. <laughs> I'm gonna say that too. Did you like, like Rise of Skywalker more than this movie? There's for there. another Geek Explained Extra series. <laughs> that's your fight right there. For that's a tough one. It's funny, the the one that I didn't mention, uh number six is actually uh DC's Joker. And Joker made one billion that year too. We don't need to talk about Joker anymore. We don't need to talk about Joker. Um, (laughs) You can go back in the archives. I did a Joker review. So uh, (laughs) this film made money, but it doesn't automatically mean that it's a good film, right? We can all agree on that. Transformer films made tons of money. Mm -hmm. And then at the opposite end, you have the Fast and Furious movies that are all gems, but also make a lot of money. <laughs> so it's, you know, there's there's ebbs and flows, checks and balances here is all I'm saying. That's true. But the film did win 10 awards, uh, including the, once again, Teen Choice Award for Summer Movie Actor and Actress for All the People You Believe, um, the Saturn Award for Best Supporting Actress for Zendaya and Best Performance by a Younger Actor for Tom Holland, the People's Choice Award for Female Movie Star for Zendaya and Action Movie Star for Tom Holland, the AACTA Award for Best Visual Effects or Animation, the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Award for Favorite Superhero, and the National Film and TV Award for Best Supporting Actor. Give me your... Guess who won that award? Quick. Jill Tom Holland. No. J.B. Smoove, who played the <laughs> laid-back teacher. Oh. Gross. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, kind of for, I kind of forgive this getting to be a summer movie because it is a summer movie. It is like, a summer movie. This, this does feel like a summer movie. I mean, it yeah. came out in July, so yeah, it's yeah. a summer movie. Well, that, but like the plot too, ooh, kind of like oh, popcorn. Like vaca- yeah, yeah, it's popcorn, but also like takes takes place in like a vacation sort of setting, right? Yeah, this this film. Let's just let's just roll into final thoughts and rankings here, um, or ratings here, rankings for a different episode. Um, final thoughts on the film. How would you rate it out of ten? I'm gonna go to AJ first. Oh boy. <laughs> Give it to us. Just fucking give it to us. Just, just, oh, just be honest. Yeah. Oh man. Be brutal. You just be take, brutal. take, take be a brutal. leap. Um, you know, there's some things that I do enjoy. Like I really enjoy the last bit with like all the drones and um, the spider sense where he like you know raises his gun and uh, mysterious oh, yeah. illusion disappears. I think that's a really great scene. Great sequence where illusion, where illusion is your power and um, like Mysterio is your villain. I think that's a fantastic use for it. Um, oh, I wish we could have seen more New York. I do don't really understand why we need to, um, you know, go so far for, from home in this movie and um, what it really accomplishes. There's not a whole lot of substance. There's a whole, not a whole lot of like 
powerful emotions that gets brought up. There's not a whole lot of philosophy or lessons to be learned. Nothing really changes or progresses and like, I don't know. It's kind of the same as it's run of the mill. It's very like, it feels like we're really trying to just zoom past this story to get to the rest of the, to get to the rest of the meal. And I don't know. I wish there could have been more risks and more chances in different ways that sort of meant something that weren't as flashy or on the sur or on the surface. So, you know, I I really am kind of dis disappointed on this movie overall. I don't think this movie is very very good. So I would give it like I give it a five. That's way higher than I thought you were going to give it. I That's actually gonna, way higher. Two, three, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, he put. He put Homecoming just one above this. I, know. I just want everyone to know. <laughs> yeah. I know hate I this did. movie. Five out of ten. I love Five. this movie. Six out of ten. Is it one of the worst movies I've seen? No. Is it offensive? No. Is this better than the worst? Uh, well, is it better than Spider-Man 3? <sighs> We're going to get to that later. We are. We are. Oh, oh shit. Okay. We will. Don't you worry. Oh, all right. Chris, um, final thoughts on a rating? I, you know, it was convoluted. It it was um and this is I don't mean I don't even know how to put this. It's my it was too overstimulating for me. And and not that I felt dizzy or anything. It just it was too much going on. I felt like a Matrix movie with an MCU color palette, which is not a good thing. Um I didn't enjoy a lot of the acting. Um I'll say that. I felt like the the big bad when you talked about Jake Gyllenhaal and um and uh, Michael Keaton, I think Michael Keaton was just leaps and bounds better. And that's not a knock against Jake. That's just I think Michael understanding maybe the position of being a father and the stakes for him. And I just think that it was really a regression. This film to me felt like a regression in the story of Spider Man, and which sucks because it feels like we didn't enjoy it but it's hard to qualify that when it's made 1.1 billion and i'm sorry what did i say whatever how many billions it made fucking 1.6 whatever but also the fact that the anticipation is so high for this yeah. because just like endgame it, it broke the internet when it came to ordering tickets i do feel like the reason that's so high is because it links so closely to what people are comfortable with right. with what we know about you know face one two three and, and then four and and you know, where we know that Dr. Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch is a wonderful actor. Him and Dr. Strange, I think they just vibe well together. And I think that people are pulling not only past when you talk about the Avengers, but also past past when you bring in Doc Ock and people who even loved Garfield's iteration of Spider-Man. Like, in this is the best way of hedging your bet. You're getting a little bit of everything throughout Spider-Man cinematic history from 2000 going forward. Like you can't really lose money if you're going to bet on this because of how many people you're touching on people from the original franchise, people from the middle franchise, people that love the Avengers. And then, you know, you, you have hands in so many pools. It's going to do well, whether it's good is a different story. I think the regression in this film was, it was huge. And I would feel like if I gave homecoming an eight out of 10, I would say I'd give this one a, I know a five out of 10. I would say don't watch it. 
it, it, if you don't have wow. to, or if you don't, if you don't want, if you don't have a joy of watching Tom Holland, and he's an incredible actor, right? Or at least he's incredible in this because, right? Though you know, the jury's still on him being a great actor. I mean, he's been in a fair. He, he was in Chaos Walking with Daisy Ridley, which people tried to get banned because it was so bad. They, they tried to write an injunction saying you don't want to see this movie because of how bad it is. Yikes. He hasn't been in anything else outside of note. I mean, we've got the Uncharted franchise. Who knows? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I right. Know what you're talking about. <laughs> Solid, hard five out of ten, maybe even four and a half on a bad day if I'm drinking. But wow. So wow. Yeah. Yikes. So I I agree with both of you guys. Like this film feels overstuffed. It feel and I said it earlier. Like it doesn't feel like a Spider-Man film which sucks because I want this to be a Spider-Man film. I want to enjoy this. And for how much I enjoyed homecoming to come to this and be like, ah, man, I'm super checked out of Tom Holland's Spider-Man adventures this time around. It sucks. And I want to enjoy this. There are definite bright spots. Um, but as a whole, as a film, it's, it's missable. Like there's so much I didn't remember about this film going in and watching it again. And I'd seen it a handful of times and like talking about it. Like I watched it as we're recording this the day before. And there are things I just don't remember about this film. And I just like, I don't, I don't care to, I don't need to go. I don't ever need to go back and watch this again. Yeah. And that's, that sucks. And it's funny because we talked about, you know, with The Amazing Spider-Man 1, we were so high on it because it felt like a Spider-Man film. We loved the treatment of it. We gave it nines across the board. And we don't agree on a whole lot when it comes to those ratings. We don't all match up. But this time around, we do. Five out of ten across oh, the board, ladies and gentlemen. This wow. is, This is, honestly, for me kind of as bad as it gets when it comes yeah. to Spider-Man oh, films. Because yeah. I think there are much more redeeming qualities in the other like poor outings like Amazing Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3. Um, this just doesn't feel like a Spider-Man film. And it doesn't feel like it has any heart. It doesn't feel like we are progressing the story and the character of Peter Parker in any way. Um, I still think that Jake Gyllenhaal rules. I love the use of Mysterio. <laughs> yeah. It makes me hope that Hope against hope that we will see a Mysterio again, perhaps Mr. Bruce Campbell, but I just, I never need to see this film again. So that does it for, uh, for this edition of Spidey Sember. And ladies and gentlemen, we're here as you are listening to this Spider-Man No Way Home is in theaters. This is going to be dropping opening day. So real quick before we get into this since it's kind of our last stop before we head out of here i want to just briefly chat about no way home because we are yeah. going to be seeing this mm-hmm. film we're going to be reviewing this film we're going to be together talking. we're going to see yeah. it together yes and uh and we're going to see it with our own personal peter parker john noble as well that's true shout out, yeah. shout out to john um but it's this film has a lot of hype this film has a lot riding on it the multiverse returning villains the idea that previous Spider-Men may appear, though allegedly, allegedly they may appear, though I I think to the contrary. I haven't seen it in the trailer, so yeah. I don't in the film. Yeah, how we'll could they see. Do that? Um, we'll see. 
with with how much trailers spoil the fact that they aren't in any of those trailers tells me they're not in the film um but i want to talk to you guys how how do you feel about no way home after going through this entire series going into this are you hyped are you cautiously optimistic um is there anything you're looking forward to seeing just based off of trailers or rumors going into the film i'll kick things off with chris i'm worried i'm worried that it's gonna no i'm dead serious because i feel like it's gonna be another overstuffed piece of film and you can't fault people for or or or, or companies or disney and, and sony for wanting to do that they feel like i mentioned earlier that i mean if you can put enough pools of entertainment in one film you're attracting different audiences you want to bring yeah. you know classic spidey from 2000 from mcguire for garfield from the avengers all of the, it's all I, I are you being facetious? Do you not think that the old that the old Spider-Man aren't going to be in there? You have to think that they are. Who's to say? But what do you think? <laughs> I know I'm not. You don't. Know, what did I think? What did Kev say when you guys were at dinner earlier? When I you don't asked, talk about the conversations with Kev. Okay, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Feige, Mister Feige. Yeah. I don't I, talk about those conversations. If I hypothetically had those conversations, which we didn't have, right? Ever. At sure. any point in Beverly Hills, yeah. <laughs> I would not have told him that my dream for this film is to see Andrew Garfield and to hear his Spider-Man theme again. Well, oh, sure. you have a but... wonderful half-court shot with Andrew Garfield, and I and I, I want you to bring it up because we talked about that, I believe, when we were I'm even off-air talking about the trailer. Um, I want you to bring up your half-court shot, and that's basically what we had talked about on watching the Watchmen. Like, what do you think could happen? maybe but it's kind of a long shot um i think my half court i think they're gonna i think he's gonna die i think tom holland spider-man will die and Whoa. i think i think that the whole talk about three more is it's, it's all smoke and mirrors i don't think he wants to do it three more because one of the glaring differences that i saw in this one was that he looks older like in in far from home he looks noticeably older unless he zaps out in some multiverse, we pick up like teenage, like a, like college Parker, like you guys had talked yeah. about, um, which would be interesting that hasn't been explored yet, but I think he dies. I think he gets out of it. I think what he was saying about wow. wanting to play Spider-Man when he was in his thirties, he had done something wrong. I believe that. Yeah. Um, and again, I know we joke about the Entrenner franchise. I don't think it's going to do well, but I mean, who's who to say, what if it does, right? Video game franchises mostly suck, but Maybe this one takes off. Who knows? So I, I honestly think that he dies at the end of this one. I do. But trying to save everybody in, in the most, and you said it best, Eric, like he wants to save these villains and maybe he gets sucked into a hole where he, he instead of killing him, he sacrifices himself. That's that's my half court. So I'm, I'm nervous because I think that we're going to get a lot of inflation, a lot of people popping in for 10, 15 minutes. Like, why did we need that? If we could have built upon that, that would have been more interesting. So I do worry about that. But I think at the end, it should. I'm hoping for an emotional payoff. Also, for uh, everyone's bingo cards, Chris <laughs> and his sports references, half court shot. Uh, mark that off. That's right. <laughs> AJ, how are you feeling about No Way Home, and what is your half court shot? <laughs> um, you know, I don't know if I'm really worried. I have like kind of a similar feeling that like so many. I don't. I don't really think any new lessons have been learned. I think they're going to be. <laughs> like very few emotional like really grounded moments i don't think there's going to be like i think there's gonna be far too many jokes when there are a lot of deep emotions being explored i think that 
there are going to be a lot of like attempts at really big ideas that may or may not go through to success. Yeah. Um, something that like kind of made me feel a little bit like excited was hearing um, Willem Dafoe come, uh, Willem Dafoe come back. And hearing, like, in the trailer, him going... His voice. Yeah, his voice, and, like, him without, like, missing a beat and sounding the same way of just going, Peter. And, like, hearing him just say that, I was just like, God damn it, I'm, I'm, you got my ticket. <laughs> See, and that's, uh, sign me up. That's, yeah. the point about, that's the point about incorporating all those different aspects of it. Like, the yeah. people, the original franchise are going to yeah. have your reaction, AJ, and they're like, yeah, I got to see it now. Even yeah. if he's in it for like five minutes. But, no, exactly. You know, yeah. got your 20 bucks now, so. Yeah, no, and it's kind of worth it. And, like, that's what I'm kind of thinking, too. Like, I, like... Okay, my my big half court shot is that I do think that this upcoming movie is kind of a love letter to the Peter Parker character, and I think that I kind of and I agree with uh, I agree with Carter. I agree, agree with Chris. I think that the more smarter business and financial and creative aspect is to do a live action Miles. It's also been set up with with um with Donald Glover yeah. and the there uncle being set it uh, set in so. You know why? Why push that when it's really kind of shown that Miles is more popular and is yeah. more like, especially right now, the stock is more invested in that. And for a different new MCU, like, could you imagine like the lineup to see that for when Miles finally gets a uh, live action and he gets to suit up? Like, so true. Yeah. People would go insane. So I think like having this giant love letter to Peter Parker and the mcu peter parker that they created but also the other peter parkers uh in movie history and seeing all the villains and all of them together that's what i kind of think is going to be like the underlay of this movie and like chris kind of said i think they move on to miles morales after this that'd be awesome wow wow that is is wild um i am cautiously optimistic about this film because like like aj i got swept up in that trailer man first trailer i wasn't like super hyped about but that second trailer fucking got me i was like okay i'm hyped as fuck for this film i don't know like i i loved seeing the old villains i love seeing alfred molina i even loved seeing jamie fox i looked at that man and i'm like you know what i'm really excited to see you know, hopefully Electro done right. And then the horror when I realized that he was being powered by an arc reactor. And I thought to myself, God damn it. (laughs) Can we not, can we just go one Spider-Man film without having Iron Man involved? So I am interested. I, uh, I think that the inclusion of Dr. Strange is a masterstroke. Uh, both creations by Steve Ditko. Um, the two of them obviously have chemistry, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Tom Holland. Um, and I think that I always love those team-ups in the comics whenever Spider-Man and Doctor Strange team up because they're so different. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. I I would love nothing more in this world, okay, than to see Andrew Garfield reprise his role that, you know, that James Horner trumpets blaring as his theme goes that we see him maybe in that final shot in the trailer where, you know, MJ's falling and Peter's going to get her. Maybe he saves her. Maybe he makes right. Maybe we hear that theme and Andrew Garfield's the one that saves, 
Zendaya, and like that's him making right for not saving Gwen Stacy. Um, but like, man, I don't, I don't even know what my half court shot would be. Um, I think you know what I am going to say that my half court shot is that the films do continue. Films do continue mm. with Tom Holland, but that's not a half. But all right, but <laughs> they they go through with the promise of the premise of wiping his his slate clean so that no one remembers he's spider-man and no one knows what's going on with him so that when we go into this supposed plan next trilogy he has nothing and he has to start from the ground up again he has to be a grounded friendly neighborhood spider-man so that we can start this college trilogy by introducing him to gwen stacy I, I really, I, I don't know. I want this to be good. Like, like we've said, we want these films to be good. We want to enjoy them. No one enjoys going to hate watch a movie. I mean, some people do, but they're yeah. garbage. But yeah. like, we want this to be good. We hope this is good. Yeah. And by the time that you're listening to this, hopefully it's good. That's, that's my, that's my plea to you. That's what, you know what? That's my half court shot that it's a good film. That's, a good that's my half court shot that it's a good film that we all enjoy. So Jesus. what a wild idea. What yeah, a wild con after watching far from home. What a wild concept. Oh man. Oh, but man. that is going to do it for this edition of Spidey Sember. When we next meet, we will have watched No Way Home and we will be reviewing it for this series. So make sure you tune into that. Subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram. I can't believe it's taken me until the eighth episode of this series to do this whole rigmarole. But uh, follow us on Twitter. Um, I am at that daring man. You can also do uh, at Geek Explained Pod. That's at Geek Explained P O D. Chris, if they want to follow you, where would they find you? I'm at Carter Inc. Films. And AJ? At AJ underscore Kincaid. Check us out. Shout at us about how much you love Far From Home. Except don't do that because you're, you're going to be shouting into the void. But tell us how excited you are about No Way Home. Tell us have what you thought of No Way Home. No spoilers, please, for people who are unable to see it right away. Mm -hmm. But we will see you on the other side. When next we meet, we'll have watched No Way Home. So we'll see you then. Tune in for that. But for now, for Geek Explain, this is Eric Azana. Chris Carter. AJ Kincaid. And we will see you next time.
we uh, have, have we, you been watching it? Yeah, we've been following it. We um we yeah. came into it late though, and uh, it's actually really good. I uh, dude, Haley Steinfeld is fucking incredible. Dude, she's great. She incredible is. Actress. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you'd give her like a solid five. Five and a half. I love her. <laughs> you know. <what> I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> she's the best part of that show she could give her a solid is. six yeah right solid six jeremy, wow. 